We're in Psalm 25 this morning. Uh, next week we'll be in Psalm 27. For you Hope students, we have nothing against the even years or anything even. Um, the Lord is just uh, leading us into these odd ones right now, 23, now 25, and then next week 27. So we do invite you, as you've been doing with us a number of months now, just reading along that psalm, asking what it says about the Lord and praising Him for it. Um, I don't know about you, but the season of almost like a church sabbatical is what it feels like, a season of just rest and focus on intimacy with the Lord, really trimming back some programming and training and some things that we normally do for the sake of intimacy with the Lord. It, it just has revealed in me how like uncomfortable with that I am. And right, all these lessons I thought I learned on sabbatical and I'm back and the Lord's like really testing me in it in real life. And it's like, oh my goodness, I got a long way to go. The tendency to want to produce and perform and, and be busy with doing all these other things rather than first and foremost growing in intimacy with the Father and letting life and ministry flowing out of intimacy with the Father. And so that's what we're focusing on in this season until the Lord says else, something else. We're focusing on, on intimacy with the Lord, how do we grow in an intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's one of the things, the beauty of, of salvation, the gospel, is that we get to know him, the one true God and his son Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Oh, that is good news. And so we'll, I have a few thoughts in Psalm 25 this morning I, I want to share, and we'll see what the Lord wants to do. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn there? Um, I'm going to read first just verse 15. My, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. I'll read it again. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. One more time. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. I want you to pause for a minute and think, what does this teach us about who God is? Right, what we talk about recently, so often we want to make the Psalms and everything about ourselves, and ultimately the Bible is about God and who he is. And so I want you to pause. What does this teach us about who God is? Turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them what this teaches you about who God is. That one verse. Go ahead. Bring it together. All right, what would you say? What does this teach us about who God is? He's our rescuer. Only one. Only one that what? That can do it. Right on. He's present. That's good. What was that? Independent. Sorry, that... Yeah, your Australian accent always throws me off, bro. It's like... <laughs> need an interpreter is what I need with you, Nathan. <laughs> love you, Nathan. Love you. We are dependent on him is what he said. Anything else? Cleans up our messes. Hallelujah. Wow, yeah. He's the fisher of all men. You know what? This is like, 
when you stop and think about it, this is a wild promise of the Lord. This is wild. He says, my eyes are ever, meaning always, continuously, always, no matter what's going on around me, no matter my circumstance or situation or feelings or emotions, no matter what, my eyes are ever on what? On the Lord. Why? For he will release my foot from the net. Your translation may say snare. Does it say, why my eyes are always on the Lord, for he might, he, he could possibly, he would consider releasing my foot from the snare. No, it's a promise from the Lord. It says, my eyes are ever on the Lord. Why? Because he will release my foot from the snare. Like, so many of us this morning, I know we're caught up in different snares or nets. Some of them you know about and some of them you don't know about. And I'm afraid so often it's become so natural for us that we live this Christian life just expecting, well, yep, I got my snares. Yep, I got my downfalls. Yep, I got my traps. And we forget the other promises in the word that says Jesus has come that we might be free and have freedom indeed. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom what Daniel read this morning from Galatians 5, I don't remember exactly what it says, but it said something similar like, there's a promise of freedom for us. Did we walk in here this morning rejoicing and celebrating the promise that we get to walk in total and complete freedom? Or were you like me, and we walk in with all these snares and all these things we're trapped in and just kind of say, eh, I guess that's the way it is. Like, unfortunately, I think we walk in such hopelessness as believers, and we should be some of the most hope-filled people in the, on the planet. We walk in such despair, and we should be walking in such joy, no matter what's going on. Now, I'm not saying, like, you're going to have snares. You're going to have these nets that are going to snag you. Like, for me, one of the most powerful images of a snare is, um, like, here it talks about net, but I think, like, a modern-day equivalent, I would picture it as, like, a bear trap, right? I try to get a bear trap. For some reason, people don't just have those in their homes. It's weird. <laughs> Not, I wasn't going to like demonstrate, you know, how it works, but that, that for me, when I read this, that's the image. Like, my eyes are on the Lord because he will release my foot from that kind of snare. Some of you aren't in like, oh, my foot's kind of trapped in a net. It's like, you are stuck in the middle of a bear trap. It is like, it's on you, your leg's broken, you're bleeding profusely, you're about ready to die. Like, that's the kind of snare that you are in this morning. Here's the good news. When our eyes are ever on the Lord, he will release your foot from no matter what the snare is. So what are the snares you're in? I think it explains this further on in, first, or in these next few verses of Psalm chapter 25. And it says this in verse 15, right? Right here, my, my eyes are ever on the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Then it says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Like that's some of you this morning. Your snare, your net, is that you're, just, you're so lonely. Feel isolated, alone. It could be by your choice or by the choosing of someone else. And just so lonely. God, am I, am I the only one? Will anyone ever know me? Do I know my heart and what's going on in my, in my world? Like just, just struggling and loneliness and just pure affliction. This word even affliction, afflicted, can be translated poverty. Like just financial poverty, relational, emotional poverty. It's like, oh God, I'm stuck in this net. Some of you, that's where you're at this morning. Some of you, or maybe what it says in verse 17, 
for the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. I just love that because I feel like that captures just about anything. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. That can include anything that's just on your heart, anything that's weighing you down, everything that's just, oh, just, just keeping you up at night that's on your thought. That could be the thing that you walked in this morning that keeps our mind from engaging with the Lord because it's like, oh, but what about this, what about this, what about this? Job, family, kids, all those things, right? Can turn into a snare. For some of you, it says in verse 18, consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Some of you are in a snare and it's directly related to your sin. Like, I think sometimes there's this temptation where we come on Sunday morning. It's like, I want to be close to the Lord. I want to be close to the Lord. But you love your sin. Right? Like, you're, you're in a snare, and the Lord's like saying, I've called you to, out of that. I want you out of the snare. But we continue to willfully put ourselves back in the snare and, like, get in that, that thing. We, like, play around with the bear trap, like, oh, I'm going to get it. It's not going to hurt me. And then, well, wham, right? How often is that with sin? Some of you, like, some of you don't even want to mess with sin anymore. Some of you, like, you so desperately want to stop looking at porn, and you just can't do it. Some of you want to stop messing around with your boyfriend and girlfriend before you're married. Like, you just can't do it. Some of you don't want to rage and lose your temper, and you just can't stop. Some of you don't want to uh, have negative feelings and thoughts about people and be a critical spirit, and you just, like, that just comes out, and you're like, ah, I, I don't want to. Why? It's because your foot is in a snare. Some of you, your snare may be this in verse 19. Consider my, how many my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Like, some of you just have nasty enemies that want to destroy you. What a snare that is. Nothing of your own doing. Someone just wants to destroy you, and that's, it's a trap that you feel like you're in. How do I get out of this? Or maybe it's this one for you in verse 20. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me, me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Some of you, I mean, this is like a lot of us, right? I think a, a big snare, a big trap that we find ourselves in is shame. Shame from sin that happened this week or shame that's from sin that happened years ago. Like even, I'm always, I'm always aware of this, like on, on World Orphan Sunday, Josh always, always mentions this to me too, he's like, when someone adopts a child or children, it's a gain for that family, but we are full aware it's a loss for somebody else. Some of you come in with such weight of shame this morning of losing your kids, losing custody of your kids. Some of you come in with the weight, the shame of maybe choosing an abortion rather than giving your child up for adoption. I read this the shame that you carry. Maybe you've carried it for years and years. And, and that's your snare, or whatever your thing is in your past, of just like, oh, there's this one thing that's like, oh, I can't get past that, I can't give, unfor I can't work past that unforgiveness, I can't work the thought that God maybe actually would forgive me of, of that particular thing, and your foot is in the snare. But here's the good news. Yes, you may be in a snare this morning, but there is not just hope, but there's the promise that the Lord will get you out of the snare. And this is what he says in verse 21. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Saying, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to continue to walk in integrity and uprightness. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to walk the way I'm supposed to walk, the way you've laid out for me to walk before. But here's the key. I'm going to wait for you. You want to know how to get out of the snare? The answer for getting out of the snare, no matter what your snare is, is that you wait on the Lord. 
what does that mean? Especially in a culture that we think right now, immediately, instant, we don't wait for anything. Like, we get ticked when you're trying to watch Netflix and it's like loading, loading. You're like, let's get moving, right? <laughs> Let me remind you of 1996 with AOL and it took five minutes to sign on, right? You're like, we forget so quickly about those days. For you college students, it's called America Online. It's how we dial up internet. If forget it. Don't worry about it. Now, but here's the thing. I, a snare is one of the devil's big tools that he uses to ruin intimacy with the Father. And this is why, right? Because all of a sudden, things are going along. Like, God, you're amazing. I love you spending time with you. Oh, you love me. I just want to worship you and praise you. All self, you find yourself in a snare. And what happens to our gaze? we begin to look away from the Lord and we begin to look at the snare. Especially when it's painful, right? It's like, oh, it hurts so bad. Oh, look at the size of this net. You know, it's like, I can't get out of this. This is terrible. I'm terrible. And your eyes move away from the Lord and begins to be put on the snare. And what ends up happening is we begin to not walk in faith because we're not looking at the power and the splendor and the grace and the majesty and the mercy of God in the midst of our snare and what got us there and why we're there we, we don't pay attention to the lord we start paying attention to ourselves, and we're like but it hurts so much and it's so big i'm never going to be able to get out of it because look at what a grip this had in my life i've been looking at porn for 20 years I, I i've been angry my whole life since i was born i can never do this because we've taken our gaze off the lord and instead when we say yes it hurts god here it is it's yours but we fix our attention on the lord and say oh but look how much more powerful you are look how strong you are Look how gracious you are. Yeah, I was so dumb this week. I did some stupid stuff and sin. But like, look, God, it's, it's about your grace and your mercy that you continue to lavish it upon me. This morning, some of us have come in and our attention has been on the snare rather than our attention being on the Lord. Waiting is saying, okay, I'm not going to pay the most attention to this thing. Again, I'm not saying ignore your feelings. I'm not saying ignoring that it's a reality. But that's not where attention... We go, God, it's yours. And we begin to worship and, and, and look to the Lord for a solution. I, I want to I look at a story real quick, actually, that I think explains what it looks like practically to wait on the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Turn to the left a little bit. This story is awesome. The Lord rocked me with this story this summer. Um, the gist of what's going on here is there's a king named Jehoshaphat. And um, these armies are beginning to get ready to invade and take over. And it's, it's bad news for Jehoshaphat and God's people. And so this is what it says here in verse 3. His response at first. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. How often, when our foot gets caught in a snare, are we afraid, right? Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. He's like, oh, this is terrible. This, this is not good. We've got these armies coming against us. What's their first response? Let's seek the Lord. So they start praying to the Lord, going, oh, God, this is bad. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? They're going to defeat us. Have you forgotten? Oh, God, what do we do? And this is awesome. This verse, oh, this is awesome. Go down to verse 12. This is his response. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? 
For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Boom. Think about that, right? Their response was first to say, whoa, this is too big for me. I am powerless against this. I can't fix the problem. How often when we get our foot caught in a snare, we're like, no, I got this. It's cool. I'll just try this, you know. I'll try this little tactic. I'll try stopping this. And some of you have found success for a short amount of time with sheer willpower, sheer discipline, just trying hard enough. You feel like, hey, maybe my foot's not in this snare anymore. But the problem is, before long, it's because you're trying to walk in your own strength and power rather than the Lord's power that is at work in you. All of a sudden, you get sucked back into that snare again. And the first step, I mean, I love this. For some of you, you guys that are in a, like a 12-step program, first step, right? Admit that you are powerless like i think so often we are weary and burdened and in our walk with the lord trying to walk in holiness because you are trying to do it in your own strength and power rather than going like yeah this is a huge problem isn't it god good thing it's not my responsibility to fix it's all yours i am powerless over it i mean there's this i think isaiah Isaiah says this, Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But though they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. I mean, how many of us, does this, are we described as the exact opposite? You are weary. You are faint in your battle against sin. You are weary, and you're tired, and you're trying to get your foot out of the snare. The problem is, is because you've been trying, whoa, hello, <laughs> getting excited. Um, um, no, I'm serious. I, I, I get so excited about this because when the Lord showed me this, it was just a revelation for so much of my life. I was trying so hard to please the Lord and to produce fruit for the Lord rather than understanding the Lord isn't me about just producing fruit for him. He wants to produce through, fruit through me. That it's not about me trying harder, 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 but it's this truth that what happens when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is by his grace that our sins are forgiven, hallelujah. But what happens if you're like me, all of a sudden you're like, well, now i got to live a life of pleasing the Lord. And it's out of good motive because you love him. So you're like, I love him, I want to please him. So then you go to the Lord and you say, God, give me strength. God, give me grace. God, give me discipline so that I can walk in the way that you want me to walk. So I can get out of the snare. But the problem is, is we go to the Lord to get things from him rather than understanding the beauty of the gospel is that your old sinful self has been put to death and now you have a new life dwelling in you and that's the life of Christ. Right? So here, here's what it looks like, right? We, we forget so Jesus dies on the cross and his blood is shed as the payment for our sins. But Jesus' body's, body hung on the cross to take care of us as a sinner, our sinful nature. That we come to faith in Jesus Christ. We repent of sin. We are forgiven of our sins. But it says in Galatians 2.20, It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. God's not about you giving, just giving you some strength, giving you some self-control, giving you some endurance, giving you some perseverance so that you can pull your foot out of the snare. No, no, no. You are dead, according to Galatians 2.20. And here's why it's good news. Because you have the very life of Jesus Christ himself that dwells within you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It is his strength and it is his power. That's why it gives me such hope. I don't walk in despair. I don't walk in hopelessness when my foot's caught in a snare because I get caught in a snare. I'm like, oh, that was dumb. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that stings. But then I go, oh, God, 
yeah, I lost my temper, and I, I praise you, God, that on my, own, on my own, I cannot control my temper for very long, but I praise you that Jesus perfectly controlled his temper. Some of you are battling lust or any kind of temptation, and you try so hard to battle against it, and I think our response should be like, God, on my own, I am powerless I am powerless against this temptation that is coming against me, but I praise you, Jesus, that you withstood temptation perfectly, and that is the work that is going on within me right now. When you're struggling for peace, not, oh, God, I just got to get more peace, give me more peace, give me more peace. It's God, oh, I have no peace on my own, but I praise you, Jesus, you are my peace. I praise you, you are my hope. I praise you, you are my strength. It's not something apart from him. You are dead. He's not just giving you a couple gifts. He's giving you his very life, the imperishable seed of Jesus that has been planted in you and it's growing and manifesting in you. That we can recognize, oh God, I cannot do this. But it says in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The life I live, I now live in faith in Jesus Christ. I think one of the first things we do when we get caught in a snare, whatever your snare is this morning, is that we say, oh God, I don't, I don't want this anymore, I can't fight this anymore, and I'm turning and releasing it to you in the act of faith is saying, Jesus, I trust that you will do it for me. Like some of you this morning, though, like you honestly, you love the snare. Like you love, you love it. And until you repent and say, God, I'm done with that, I don't want it, you're not going to get out of the snare. Some of you love, you identify with the snare. Like, yeah, you like the attention that the snare gives you. You like the attention. Oh, look at, you think your net's pretty bad? Check mine out, huh? And you identify with it. And I think oftentimes we, we portray repentance in such a negative light. Repentance is a gift and access. Repentance leads to refreshment. You want refreshment? It's saying, oh, God, I repent. I don't want this snare anymore. I don't want this. God, I turn it to you. I turn it over to you that you would do that work that is within me. That's what happens here in, in the Second Chronicles. And I went way on a rabbit trail. Let's go back here. Second Chronicles 20. They're saying, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. And so this is what the Lord says um, in verse 17. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see that the salvation, see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. I'll keep reading. I don't know if this is up there. This is good stuff too. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all the Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping God. And the Levites and the stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So he's saying, God's saying, you don't need to fight. I will fight for you. It says this all throughout the Old Testament to the, Egypt, to the Israelites. In the Exodus, it says this. God says, I will fight for you. All you need to do is you be still. It's so against our nature. We want to fight for it. We want to work for it. We've got to get ourselves out to it. The Lord says, no, I am so much more powerful. I am the one that's going to release your foot from the snare. And he said, I'm going to fight on your behalf. You just need to be still and keep your eyes fixed upon me. And their response was simply to worship. Here's the key that I think is huge in this. They begin worshiping the Lord before they see the breakthrough in that area. How often do we come in our individual quiet time with the Lord, in a house church, in a group setting, in, in gathering here on Sunday morning, and our praise of the Lord is conditional based on if we've seen him come through the way we think he should come through. And you're waiting for it. And part of him doing the work is you're saying, I'm giving up control. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know the timeline it's going to happen. I don't know the way. But God, I'm trusting that you're going to do it, and I'm choosing to praise you in the midst of it. And then here's what, here's what they end up doing, finding victory. Go down to verse... Uh, whew, 
17, no, 21. And when he, that's King Jehoshaphat, had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were um, to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, pause for a second. That's crazy. They don't send out the army first to destroy the enemies. They send out the worshipers. Because they trust in what the Lord told them he was going to do. And they began to worship until they saw the breakthrough. Send out the worshipers. And this is what happens in verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, set an, the, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. So like the Lord caused them to fight against each other and they were all destroyed. They didn't have to do anything. They just simply worshiped and the Lord fought the battle for them and they found victory. Some of you this morning, right? You, you are in a snare and it's first like, I'm relinquishing control, God, you got to do this, I can't do this. It's trusting the Lord. And sometimes the Lord will give you wisdom. The Lord will tell you, do this, don't do this. Sometimes he just will come in and take care of it on your behalf for you. However the Lord chooses to do that, our response is simply to give him praise and adoration. The enemy's so desperate. When our foot gets caught in a snare, the enemy wants to rob us of intimacy and draw our attention away from the Lord. But when our foot's in the snare, honestly, a lot of times, it's an opportunity for us to grow in intimacy to the Lord, to see him come through, to wait for him, to trust him, to praise him in deep, profound, and intimate ways. And so this morning for you, Marianne Park, I don't know what your snare is, but I would ask you to do this first and foremost, that you would quit. You'd quit trying to get out on your own. And you would turn to him, the one who will get you. I don't know how he's going to do it. But guess what? I don't have to worry about it. I'm not the king of the universe. He is. I'm going to, Brittany, you want to come up here real quick? Brittany, Brittany. Okay. So she was just telling me this testimony this morning, and I thought it was awesome. I did give her a heads up that I was going to maybe ask her up. Um, She was explaining this to me. I'm like, that is an incredible picture of waiting on the Lord for him to remove your foot from the snare. So why don't you describe what's the snare that you, you're in these days? A little well, closer. Wait. Boop. Like my snare has been. Oh, my bad. I didn't turn it on. That is my fault. Sorry. There you go. Testing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, many don't know my story, but I've had like quite a run in with like drugs, men, just pretty much everything. And two weeks ago, um, I had a breakdown with my friend to a point where like, she had to tell me, we need to pray. You need to go to God for this and this could work. And I got off work and we went to her house and she said, we're gonna pray over this. Then we're gonna ask God all the questions I wanted. And then we're gonna pray again. And then God's gonna tell you. And then we're gonna pray after. So I was like, okay, carrying on. I was like, <laughs> but I'll ask, I'll do. So I went to her house and we prayed. And then I asked God questions. And I, the questions I had is like, why me? Like, why, why take everything away and make me alone and, you know, feel like hopeless? So we, start, we started praying, <laughs> praying. And um, what God revealed to me is like when I was praying, and I asked him instead of everybody else, relying on everybody else. He started giving me answers that I needed to hear. Like I asked him, what could I do to be a better mother? And what can I do? He's like, stay with me. Like he's a jealous God. He's waiting for us to be in connection with him. And everything that I, at, 
I asked him, I got all answers. It's like, stay in faith, stay with me, and like, stay still, because it's coming and it's waiting, and I've gotten a lot out of it, and I've gotten better friends, and I've been so much cleaner than the normal, and I'm just thankful because the more I have a relationship with him, the more I built, the more that I asked him, instead of the first person I asked shouldn't be my friend, shouldn't be anyone, it should be God, because I got all the answers, and it took me a while to realize that he took, he really did pluck me out because everything that was distracting me or that I put ahead of him, my own kids, he takes it away. He makes sure that you understand that you have to go to him. And when I did that, I started realizing, well, because he did that, I'm able to provide more, be in a better situation, so when my kids do come back, that I'm all good and set, and I know where to go and who to get help from instead of relying on everybody in the streets. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome, right? I, the thing I love, too, is, like, she had to get to the end of herself, like, okay, okay, I'm trying, I can't do this anymore, and that's where some of you got this morning, and you, you're, like, realizing how weak you are. What a gift from the Lord, like, right? She realized how weak she was. She's going to the Lord and trusting that he's going to do it. It wasn't the answer she was looking for, of like, do this, this, and this, you're going to get your kids back. He said, wait, stay close to me, walk with me. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. She's doing it, and praise the Lord. That's, that's what the Lord's calling us all to this morning. God's calling us to freedom, he's calling us to wholeness, he's calling us to fullness and life. And some of you are weary and exhausted from trying to get your foot out of the snare, just stop. That you would go to him, that he would be the one to release your foot from the snare. And we just praise the Lord like crazy, because he's going to do it, right? He's going to do it. All right, we need to worship the Lord or I'm going to explode. So, <laughs> band, why don't come up, I want to pray as the band comes up, because oh my gosh, the Lord is so good, let's pray. Oh, God, you are so good. You are releasing our foot from the snare. And, God, that you would be so gracious to point out the snare, not to shame us, not to condemn us, but because you want us to turn from it and turn towards you. So I pray for freedom in this place this morning. I pray for a release of shame, guilt, and condemnation. I pray against the lie that says, oh, not that snare. Oh, not that bear trap. Oh, not that net you can't get out of. Oh, God, you are the God of the impossible. And for those that have been trapped up and bound up for years, God, that this morning would be the day of deliverance oh god yeah you can do it we're we quit god we quit we quit because you are the one that's doing it god that you continue to, to walk and give us grace even for those god that are just weary and there's are, are lukewarm and, and have apathy towards you god that they're tr- tired of trying to have passion towards you i praise you lord that in the flesh we have no passion towards you but i praise you god because the life of christ who has perfect passion towards you, dwells within us as believers. God, for those that are hopeless, we thank you, Jesus, you are our hope. For those that are joyless, Jesus, you are our joy. For those that are in despair, God, that you are the deliverer. Oh, God, you are so good. You are so good to us. Oh, man, I can't wait to see what you're going to do, Jesus. Oh, God, that you would draw our attention. For those that 
have been looking at this snare for so long, God, that you would just like forcefully yet graciously draw our attention, draw our gaze, draw our eyes to you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the giver of perfect love and mercy and grace, of deliverance, of healing and wholeness. I thank you, God, that you aren't redeeming us and rescuing us halfway. For those that are halfway out of the snare, God, I thank you that the work that you started in them, you will see it to completion. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, there's none like you. Oh, there's none like you. There's none like you, Jesus. Oh, God, we pray that freedom would come forth in this place, not on our own effort and work, but because we are abiding in you, Jesus, that you are the uh, vine, we are the branches. And we thank you that that spiritual sap is flowing from within us as we abide in you, God. So would you give us the grace to abide today? In Jesus' name, amen.